morning lighthouse. Man, good morning. Today's sermon is titled Obey, and my wife was like, if you name it Obey, they will not come to church. If you name it Obey, no one's going to want to watch because that's the thing that none of us like to do. And so it's not going to be very attracting. I said, hey, but the, service, the sermon's about obeying. I mean, I don't know. You want to you wanna do like a, what, a bait and switch? You know, we call it something else, you know, like blessings. I'm like, woo! Everybody shows up. I'm like, okay, we're actually going to be talking about obeying right now. Oh, oh, man. I'll save the bait and switch for like a, a, a serious topic, right? Let's start off with a, sto- a, a story. Once upon a time, there was a... There was a CEO of a company, right? CEO of a small company, and and as he was building his company, he realized that in order for his company to continue to grow, he was going to have to go overseas to continue to build partnerships and and, and get investors for his company. And so at this point, he has about, you know, a, a small company, so he's probably got about 40 employees, 40 to 50 employees, and he gathers them all up in the in the conference meeting room, and he looks up at them, and he says, guys, we're doing a great job here. He's like, but in order for us to keep expanding, I have to leave you guys for I don't know how long. I have to go on an international tour, speaking to investors, speaking to partners, trying to uh, sell our brand so that we can continue to expand and not only be known in Indiana, but known throughout the world. And so uh, he says to them, but don't worry. I'm not going to just abandon you. I won't be here with you physically, but I will send you letters constantly. And the letters will tell you what I need you to do. And the letters will tell you how to run the company. And the letters will give you advice so you can make good decisions. And all the company says, okay, you know, we got you. Send those letters. We'll be waiting for them. And so uh, Greg, that's his name, Greg, he, he, he leaves, and he's gone for about two years. I don't know if I could leave a company that I founded for two years and just, I don't I guess trust, right? He left for two years, and uh, on a weekly basis, he would send his weekly letter. He would send his letters on a weekly basis. So he was faithful in communicating his desires and his concerns. When he would notice the market drop, he would send letters about, okay, this is what you guys need to do. When he would see the market uh, rise, he would, he would send letters, okay, this is what you do. So he was, he was still very in touch with what was happening, you know, with, you know in, in the business world. Finally, he returns. And he's excited to get back to the company, and he walks up to the front door, and his heart drops to the floor, his mouth with it. And he's like, what is happening here? As he noticed, like, the whole front of the building, they have, like, weeds that are, like, this high that are growing in between the sidewalk cracks. You know how you, know how you get, like, little weeds in? But, you know, like, by the time they get, like, this high, you know it's bad, right? So, like, this high... The front window is broken. Um, he, he, he walks in, and, and he's got like to 
like pushed the door because there was some trash behind the door, and he's like, what is going on? He, he sees the front receptionist, and before he can, uh, he can say something to the receptionist, he finds that the receptionist is sleeping, snoring, actually, like he could hear the snoring. And he's like, oh, what is, what is going on? So he, he, he just, he, he walks past this receptionist, and he's hearing like loud music coming from different offices. And he's, he's like, music coming from that office, music coming from this office. And then he keeps walking further. And when he gets to, like, the back warehouse, he finds, like, four or five employees, like, roughhousing and, you know, wrestling and playing around. And he said he just lost his mind. What is going on here? Everyone to my, I mean, to the conference room ASAP. He's upset. He's furious. He's furious. Instead of making profit, instead of expanding the business, instead of um, doing well, what they had done uh, is actually they have lost him a great deal of money. Now, I don't know this story how, you know, completely accurate is because, I mean, wouldn't you notice if your company is losing money? I mean, I would still be checking that even if I was overseas. But in this story, he didn't know. And he comes back, he's like, what is going on? Why, have you not gotten my letters? Didn't you guys do what I, my letters told you to do? Did you get my letters? And then um, a guy named Marvin, right? He, he, he's, the, he's the office manager, right? He walks up and he's like, sir, Greg, we got all your letters. We got all your letters and we made sure to open them, take them out of the envelope. And you know what? We even put them into this binder and made a book of them. Some of us even memorized some of your letters. Some of us put, have made copies and put some of your letters on our refrigerators. Some of us, we even have a couple copies on our desks here at work. A group of us even get together on Sunday nights and we talk about your letters. Confused, Greg was like, Okay, so you got my letters, and you read them. I, I, I don't understand. But what did you actually do with my instructions? And they all looked at each other and confused and like, oh, well, nothing, actually. Nothing at all. Today's message is about obedience. Today's message is one that, as we continue in the book of James, you see, I didn't pick it. It just happened to be the next topic in the book of James. But we have to understand that it's just not enough to hear God's word. It's just not enough. Hearing is not obeying. Now, last week when we talked about being quick to listen and to hear, we broke down the importance of listening. The importance of hearing. We understand that, that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And so we talked about that and what that, what, that, what that really means. And we also talked about that when we listen, when we actually take a moment to listen is when we hear the voice of God. And we talked about our faith increasing. We talked about hearing the voice of God in hearing, all in listening and hearing. But what good does all that serve us 
if when we hear and when we listen, we do nothing about what we've heard? We, it, uh, I hear the voice of God. He's telling me to wear red pants today, but it doesn't go with my shoes, so I'll wear black ones. I mean, you heard the voice of God, but it just doesn't go with what your plans are. It doesn't go with your agenda for the moment. And so sometimes we choose to like, well, I, I know what God said, but this is what I might want to do right now myself. We hear what, what God expects us to do, the next step he wants us to take, and we make a decision to not obey. James 1.22 to 25 is our passage this morning. And it says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says, otherwise you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, God will bless you for doing it. So there is blessing in this sermon. All right. Woo-woo. <laughs> James is telling us here that a person who doesn't put obedience into practice, as far as hearing God's word, right? A person that hears God's word but then decides not to do it is only deceiving themselves. And, and, and at first I'm like, okay, how do I break this down so people understand, like, what it means to deceive yourself? Because that's not something we really think about, right? Deceiving yourself. I mean, you know yourself. So how can you deceive yourself? You know, it's like this. It, honestly, it's like a person who knows that getting drunk, 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 is wrong, but still decides to do it, is a person of self-deception, is a victim of self-deception. A person who knows that adultery is wrong and still chooses to do it is a victim of self-deception. Deception. You have deceived yourself. Let me, let me illustrate to see, to, so, you, so you guys can see how foolish um, it is to be self-deceived. There once a guy, was a guy named John Dillinger. John Dillinger was famous. He was famous in the 1930s. But he wasn't a writer and he, and he wasn't a politician. He wasn't a, a, a famous war vet. What he was, was he was probably one of the best bank robbers in all of history. I'm not glorifying this guy, but I'm just telling you what he was famous for. So one, one time, him and his men went into the bank. They planned this big bank robbery. And they went into the bank pretending that they were shooting a movie and that this just happened to be the bank robbery scene. So here they are actually robbing the bank, and everybody's watching like, oh, my gosh, woo, this is great. And they think that they're in the movie. And the bank is getting robbed. And, and they leave, you know, they leave. Everybody's clapping as they're leaving, you know, woo, and they just walked out with all the bank's money. 
All those people were deceived. All those people were deceived. Now, imagine, imagine this. Imagine if after they robbed the bank, right? They robbed the bank. They go back to their hideout. They, uh, they're talking. They're looking at the money. They're laughing. They're thinking about how they're going to spend it. And one of the guys is like, hey, John, yeah, this bank robbery was awesome. Oh, yeah, we went great. But I, I think we may have, I mean, don't you own that bank? Oh, wait a minute. That is my bank that we just robbed. That's what self-deception is. That's self-deception. This is why there's a saying that says, if you deceive someone, so if you, de- if you deceive someone else, you're smart. If you deceive yourself, oh, I'm sorry, let me fix the saying. If you deceive someone else, you are wicked, but smart. If you deceive yourself, did I just mess up that? Did I just mess up that saying? If you deceive someone else, then you're wicked and smart. And if you deceive yourself, then you are wicked and stupid. That is the saying. The person that deceives himself. You know what? Let's add the women into this and herself, himself and herself. I don't want you guys to feel excluded. is foolish, is a fool, and that's exactly how it is for a person who hears the word of God and yet chooses not to do it. You guys, I know it doesn't seem that way because it seems like we still make rational decisions. It still seems like we're still in control of our lives. It still seems like, well, there's nothing wrong with with the things that I want to do, and there's nothing wrong with the things that I say, and there's nothing wrong with the choices and all that stuff. But but the, the, the reality is this. It's not to say if it's right or wrong based on the measures of society. We cannot measure right and wrong in what's right and wrong in society these days because there are so many things that society has deemed right that we know, according to the Word of God, that is wrong. The Word of God should be how we measure what is right and what is wrong. We have to stick to that. If you don't, you will, you, will be, you will be misled in today's world. You will be misled. Listen, we serve a God that loves us so much that he gave us everything that we needed, every instruction, every piece of advice, every rule, every, every, anything that we will ever need He put it in his word, and he gave it to us. Sometimes we wonder, like, well, how could God do, and how could God, and God's like, well, you know, if if you read, there's there's even a story about that. If you read, you know, oh, how could, how can God allow me to lose some loved ones? You know, if you read, there's stories in the word about people that have lost loved ones. Oh, how could God allow me to lose all, everything I worked hard for? Um, If you read in the word, there's actually stories that talk about losing some things. Oh, you know, it, it, it's, like, it's like the best, 
I mean, I won't say it like that. It is, if Hollywood would take a moment, I think the best movies that will ever be made will be movies that illustrate the Word of God. There's action, there's drama, there's suspense, there's comedy, talking donkeys. There's everything in the Word of God. Can you imagine what the devil is thinking as God's people deceive themselves? And I say God's people as this. You, you made a decision to serve the Lord. You made a decision. You made this decision. And yet, you know, you can still be deceived. You can still make choices that are, are incorrect. You can still choose to disobey God because many people come to, come to Christ. And then, you know, it's like you come and say, Lord, I give my life to you. I want to live for you. And God says, amen. Now, what I need you to do is, oh, wait, wait, I'm not ready for that yet. I'm not ready for that, though. I'm not ready for that. And God's like, well, you know, I already, I already gave you the means to get what I'm going to ask you done. You see, he's already put in you, and we talked about this in Bible studies, right? He's already put in you what you need. If he's called you to sing, he's given you a voice already. If he's called you to preach, he's given you. The, the ability to speak, and sometimes you don't think so. If he's called you to teach kids, he's giving you grace with children. If he's called you to be on the streets uh, evangelizing and outreach and reaching those that are lost in theirs, he's giving you the means for that. So, you, so when, God, when God turns around and says, what I need of you to do, you can't tell God, well, I'm not ready, because he knows that you're capable. What he knows is that you're just being disobedient. So when God's people decide that they're going to not obey and they deceive themselves, can you imagine what the devil is thinking at that moment? You know, he's probably looking and he's like, yo, yo, he calls his demon buddies. Like, yo, check this out, check this out. Check this out, come here, come here. They doing my job for them, for me. He puts his hands back. His feet up, and he's like, look, I don't even got to do anything. They're deceiving themselves. We know that the devil is a deceiver, and what he loves to do is deceive you. He deceived Eve in the garden all the way in the beginning. We go back to the beginning. Camille loves to be like, take it back to the beginning. She'll take everything back to the beginning. So we go back to the garden. From the very beginning, he's a deceiver. And he deceived Eve to take of the fruit. So when he sees us deceiving ourselves, he's like, oh, it's an easy day at the job today. I don't want to break a sweat. And he, he must be enjoying watching God's people destroy themselves. Now, can you imagine what God is thinking as people deceive themselves. We know what the enemy's going to think, but what is God thinking when we choose to disobey, when we deceive ourselves? Well, we don't have to imagine, because in his word, it says, if we turn to Luke chapter 6, verse 46 to 49, Luke chapter 6, verse 46 to 49. Mm. Stay with me, guys. It says, so why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord? 
when you don't do what I say. I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It's like a person that builds a house who digs deep and lays a foundation of solid rock. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person whose house right on the ground, who builds a house right on the ground, right? And some versions say on the sand, right? On the sand. Without a foundation, and the floods sweep down against that house, and it will collapse into a heap of ruins. God is like, don't call me Lord. Don't call me Lord if you're not going to listen to what I'm telling you to do. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and then don't do what I've asked you to do? If we Listen, there's different names. We call, we call him Savior. We call him King. We call him Lord. And a lot of times we, we act, we, we enjoy the Savior part of it. And I think I've mentioned this to you guys before. But if you didn't see, I'm repeating it for you again. We enjoy the Savior part because it's in a moment where we need help that our Savior comes and he delivers us from it. When we are in a place that's hurting, when we are in a place that's, that's frustrating, when we are in a place that we can't take it anymore, we say, Savior, Jesus, I need you. And he comes and he sets us free like a Savior would. Now you're free. And now he should be your Lord. And what a Lord is, if you guys know like medieval times and all the kings, and a Lord would govern over the people. And a Lord would set rules and he would set boundaries and set expectations for the people. And the people would live under his lordship in respect and honor of him and would obey the laws of the land. When we treat him as Lord, then, we, well, then, then there's a reverence to it. There's a reverence that we, that we take and apply to our relationship with God because it's not just him saving us. No, okay, now, now we're serving him. And he's saying, don't call me Lord if you can't do what I've told you to do. And, and that's rough because sometimes we're like, no, but he knows I love him. Jesus knows my heart. That, that, that's actually worse. Because you can deceive us, me. You can, you can deceive each other about what our heart may be feeling, but God knows exactly your heart. As this, as this passage continues... As the passage continues, verse 23 and 24 say, For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. So, um, quick question. What is the purpose of mirrors? Why do we have mirrors in our house? And some of y'all have more mirrors than what you need to have. Some of you guys like looking into the mirrors a little too much. My daughter is like, my daughter has this thing that she likes to cry into the mirror. Like, 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 when, she's, like when, we, when she doesn't get her way and she starts to cry, she finds a mirror to cry in front of. And then watches herself cry. 
I said, no, this, no, now you're definitely not. No, now I know. You're just one, you're just a little actress here. And you should see the dramatic look. <gasps> and sometimes she'll get props to hold while she's crying. It's, it's, you guys, I'm telling you, pray for us. Pray for, she's only four. The purpose of mirrors is to examine yourself, right? To see your reflection, to see the flaws that you may have at that moment and hopefully fix them. Hopefully fix them. Imagine waking up in the morning. Oh, you get up, you go to the bathroom, you splash some face, some water in your face, you look up at the mirror, and you're like, whoa, whoa. Hair is a mess. You know, uh, for some of the ladies, you didn't clean off the, the, the eye stuff, and so it's like a big blob like this in the morning, right? Um, your, your eyebrows are kind of like, uh, uh, like getting out of line, and sometimes they're like all over the place if they're really long. Your eyes look a little bloodshot, and uh, you might have a pimple or two that might need popping or something, right? You think to yourself, like, whoa, it's a lot of work I got to do this morning. But I'm hungry. Let me go eat some breakfast. I'll get back to this later. You go. You sit down. You make yourself a nice big breakfast. You eat. You, en- you watch the news. Trying to catch up with the times, what's going on. You lose track of time. And you're like, I'm going to be late for work. So you rush Back to your room, you throw clothes on, and you leave without addressing all the things that you just saw in the mirror. You just saw that your hair is a mess, right? You just saw that you probably have morning boogies or whatever the case may be. Uh, Come on. All this stuff that you have, you saw it, and... You just happened to forget what you just saw. And you went to work that way so that you can bless all your colleagues with that, with that view. That's what the person is like who looks into God's word. It sees what God's word is asking for them to do and then does nothing about it. It's the same thing. You look into the mirror and you see the flaws. You look into the mirror and you see the areas that need attention in your life. Like, yo, that hair needs attention. So you're going to brush it. You know, the, 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 the eyebrows, you need attention. So you're going to fix them, brush them, whatever. You know, the beard is getting out of control. We got to trim it up. Or if you're trying to let uh, grow the Moses thing, you still got to trim the sides. You know, whatever floats your boat, it's okay. What I'm saying is it needs attention. And you noticed it when you looked in the mirror. We look into God's word. And in God's word, the Holy Spirit speaks to us and says, you need to work in this area in your life. You need to surrender this to God. You need to really go before God, and you, need, and you really need to, to ask for this, and, and you really need to do this, and, and, we, and, we, and we 
It's brought to our attention the flaws of our life, and then we say, oh, man, that's a lot of work that my life needs. I'll do it later, and then you never address it, and you never address it. It's like hearing a sermon on Sunday. Woo! That's right, pastor. Woo! That's, yo, that's right. Yo, I'm going to do that. As soon as I get out of this, as soon as I get out of service, I'm going to change my life. I'm going I'm to try harder. And, and like, like, before you even get to your car, and especially now that you might have to park seven blocks away, you've forgotten what you were going to do. Hearing a, it's like reading a word, reading the word, or, 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 or just spending time, and you're like, yo, I got to do something about this. I got to do something about this. But then you don't. I mean, you get caught up with life, right? Real life issues. Come on. Come on, Pastor Vince. I got stuff going on. You know, I, I work hard at work, and I come home, and I'm tired, and I got to eat. And then once I eat, you know, I can't really do anything else after I eat. Well, if that's the case, you ate too much. If you can't do anything after you eat, you ate too much. Okay? Oh, I ate. I can't, you know, this and that. And so what happens is, we have all these reasons of life. Life has, has, you know, I mean, I, you know, the game is on. I mean, we got a game going on today, right? You know, all right. All right. Football is back. Praise the Lord. The game is on. I, you know, I, I want to go out to eat. Uh, you get busy with life. You know, it's just all things begin to happen, and these are the reasons. Well, it's all because of everything I got going on. I really didn't have time to brush my hair because of all this stuff going on. I really didn't have time to brush my teeth. I didn't really have time to, to you know, pluck my nose hairs. Um, I didn't have time to do these things because life is just so busy. How silly does that sound to you guys? How silly does it sound that you're so busy you can't brush your teeth? That you're so busy you can't brush your hair. You're so busy you can't trim the beard. You can't do this. You're so busy you can't, you know, pluck the eyebrows. When they need. I mean, what, how silly does it sound to say we're so busy? We're so busy we can't obey the word of God. You know, um... We can't, we can't pull the, what, me? No, not me, pastor, never, no. I've never done that. I always obey. If God tells me to go talk to that person, I'm going to go talk to that person. If God says this, I say, okay, all right, well, praise the Lord. But the reality is that um, there have been times that God has probably shown you something. He's spoken to you. And sometimes maybe we don't even identify because we're still learning, we're still new in our walk, and sometimes it just feels like a strong feeling, right? Man, I had like this strong feeling to help that person out, but, you know, I was running late. I had this strong feeling, you know, because in the beginning, sometimes we don't know how to completely discern what God wants us to do, and it's, it's a process. We grow in the Lord, and, and, and you get to, to get better in that. But when God has spoken to us, he's shown us things He's even shown you things in your own life because sometimes you know that you're sitting there and be like, I got to do better in this area. Sometimes when we self-reflect, we know that there's areas in our life that we have to do better. 
I got I gotta I gotta be more I, I can't be as late. I can't I gotta be more proactive. That, that, that's Camille's word that I think is scarred in my in my brain. Proactive. Proactive. I'm the type when it show up, I'll handle it. Yes, reactive. Like when it's here, I'll take care of it. And Camille's like, but why does it gotta get here? We could handle it four or five months in advance. Like, no, it's ugh. She's very proactive, proactive. So we reflect and we're like, God, I know there's areas in my life. Lord, I know I need to be more proactive. I know. I know I do. I know you want me to be, but then I do nothing about it. Lord, I know you want me to be more loving because your word says it, but uh, I just... I don't know. I don't know. Lord, I, want, I know you want me to be more forgiving. Lord, I know you want me to, to surrender and to, to pass, to just leave all this bitterness and, and, and all this anger at your feet. But, and so we know, many of us know a lot of the areas that we have to give over to God right now. We know. But we haven't made the decision to do it. It's like you know there's a rotten apple in the basket. Right? And you don't want to take the rotten apple out, even though you know the rotten apple is going to ruin the rest of it. When there's things that we have to resolve within our lives, when God shows you there's an area in your life that you have to tackle and we choose not to do it, that can spread into other things. I don't know about forgiving people. Okay, well, first is I'm not... First, it's not forgiving people. And before you know it, that unforgiveness turns into bitterness, and then bitterness turns into anger. And before you know it, you're a sancocho of a mess. And it all started because you didn't want to forgive. Do you, see, do you understand this? The verse continues, and it talks about a perfect law of liberty. It says, it says, um, But if you look carefully into the perfect law, right, perfect law, that sets you free. That's where I said liberty. A perfect law that sets you free. Some versions say liberty, right? What is the perfect law of liberty? What, I mean, what's, what's, what's James talking about? If you look at Psalms 19, the first part of verse 7, it says the law of the Lord is perfect converting the soul. So right now, what James is talking about when he says the the perfect law of liberty, the perfect law of freedom, he's still talking about the Word of God. He's still talking about the Word of God. You know, God's Word is perfect, but why does he call it the law of liberty? Why is he calling it liberty? John chapter 8, verse 31 to 32 it says, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Shall set you free. Shall make you free. The word of God has the power to set you free. 
It has the power to set you free from all range, every range of emotion that you can be locked into, any trial, any tribulation, any situation that you find yourself stuck in, the Word of God can set you free. Some of us are stuck in bondage. Some of us are stuck in sin. Some of us are stuck with, with, uh, with fear. And then we're entering a season where it seems to be the cool thing to instill more fear into people. I promise I won't force my convictions on you guys. I'm doing my best when it comes to October 31st. But just know, the things that we do with our kids, with our families, are we glorifying God? Are we training them up? in the ways of his word? Are we exposing them to godliness? These are all things to think about. I can't tell you guys what to do. I can only tell you, well, no, I'm gonna, okay, <clears throat> all right, all right. We're not there yet, we're not there yet. We still have some time. <sighs> some of us are, addict, are, 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 are addicted to things the word can set us free. Some of us are stuck in guilt. Some of us are carrying guilt for years. I never, I never did this before this person passed away. I never had a chance to say this. I never had, you know, I should have treated that person better. And sometimes we lock ourselves in with guilt, and it just, it, and it, it affects your whole life. The word can set you free from that. The word can set you free. Um, once upon a time, there was a little bird, not an ordinary bird. This was a spine-tailed swift. No bird enthusiasts here? No, nobody, no bird watchers? This bird, uh, what's unique about this bird is that this bird can fly up to a top speed of 105 miles an hour. That's a fast bird. It's a fast bird. Anyways, one day, there was uh, one of these types of birds, right? And uh, we're going to call him Chris. And, oh, he, not this Chris, another Chris. He thought, uh, I'll be the best flyer in the world. I'll be the best flyer in the world. And uh, what Chris decided to do was he began to practice. And he practiced. And, and he practiced, and he exercised, and he was like, I'm going to be the fastest, fastest flyer in the world. He began to just uh, uh, get a diet, you know, going, and, and he was getting faster, and he was getting faster, and he was getting faster. And although he was at the fastest that he had ever been, he still was not satisfied. So he began to think, what do I do? What do I need to do to get even faster? He's like, you know what? I got to lose weight. But he had already lost too much weight. So there wasn't really no more weight for him to lose. He's like, but I got to do something to shed some kind of weight so I can go faster. And then he's like, oh, I know. I'll just take off all my feathers and I'll be lighter. So Chris takes off all his feathers. And now he's featherless. Oh, look, like, like that, Chris. <laughs> he takes off all his feathers, right? 
And guess what? Now, he can't what? Fly. He can't fly. Why do I tell you that story? Um, sometimes we say and feel the same way. We say this, there's all these restraints on my life. There's all these restraints in my life. God says do this. God says do that. God says I can't do this. God says I can't do that. I need to shed off some of these restraints. And we begin to remove the only thing that can actually make us fly. Because God desires that. He wants us to fly. He wants us to flourish. He wants us to, to grow. He wants us to move on. And what we do is we remove by removing his word, by not obeying. We, as, as seeing it as a constraint. Because some people see the Bible, and I've, I've even had this conversation. Some people say, some people say oh, that's just a, a bunch of rules. A bunch of rules that God wants us to follow. All, all it's going to tell me is all the things I can't do. All the things I can't do. That's what the Bible is. When you see it that way, then you act like this bird. And you remove the only thing that can truly help you in this life. Obedience to God's word sets us free. And it and, and allows us to be exactly who God wants us to be. His commandments are not a hindrance, but they are our freedom. We have to get into the mindset of understanding that. Because when we truly understand this, then not that, not that it's going to be super easy in the future, but it's easier to obey him. When you understand this concept, his word is not here to hinder your life. His word is here to help you, to help you move forward, to help you get through the trials, the tribulations, the addictions, the, 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 all the stuff that we go through in life. His word is there to help us. In the verse, it says, uh, um, when it, it says, but if you look carefully into, right? So, so we look at the part where it says looking into the word, looking into the word. James talks about a person who looks into the law. The word used in the Greek, all right, here we go. Parakopto. Parakopto. Hmm, maybe. It, which, is, which is what the original Greek part was instead of looking into. It, you, it literally means to stoop down. Stoop down. Well, that's kind of odd. Why would James use an expression of stoop down in the word? Stoop down in the word. All right, you're taking a little stroll. I promised Caesar I wasn't going to move too much, so I'm trying not to move too much. Caesar's on the, Caesar's on the camera. I was going to make him chase me around. Um, you're taking a little stroll, and on the corner of your eye, you notice something colorful on the ground, and it catches your eye, and you look, right? All of a sudden, you look. You look down, and you see the object. You think to yourself, I got to take a closer look. So at that moment, right, at that moment, you stoop down to examine it, right? And you take your time as you stoop down to really examine it. And then you notice, because you stoop down to examine, you notice it's some kind of colorful insect that you've never seen before. And you only notice that because you stooped down and you gave it attention. 
It wasn't just a casual walk where you're walking and say, oh, look, something colorful. You keep on walking because then what happens is you saw something colorful, but you never knew, you never will know what it was because you didn't stoop down to take an interest. When you stop, give it attention, there's a good look. And that's what this phrase means. James is trying to say, I need you to stoop down into the word. I need you to stop. Give it attention. You know, it takes some time. And so that's why he uses that word here, stoop down. It's more than just a casual reading to check it off. One, one, one chapter a day. Okay, check. I'm not saying that's bad. I mean, at least you're opening the Bible. But what James is saying is take your time. Read it. Did you guys know this is our fourth sermon in James and we haven't left chapter one? You guys can be like, oh, my God, we're going to be here forever. There's so much in the word of God. He wants us to stoop down, examine it, absorb it, let it sink in, let it change you. Don't just try to see how, how many chapters you can read in a month and this and that, and then, and then not really understand what it says. I have friends that have read the Bible through. And it's, like a, it's like a challenge. Let me read it. How many times can I read through the whole Bible? But they're not even Christians. And they're not applying any of the word to their lives. <clears throat> he continues the verse in verse 25. It says, to, uh, but he who looks into the perfect law and continues in it. Continuing into the word. This is the complete opposite of the person who has a forgetful, who is a forgetful hearer of the word. James is repeating a thought that he introduces in verse 22 when he says, be doers of the word. Now, the English word be is a simple word. We read it, we skim past it, we don't think of it. And in the Greek original um, uh, language, it wasn't just be, it was keep on being. So when you read the, the original text, the original, uh, when it's translated literally from the original, it's keep on being. It's not just be. Do you see how the difference that is? Be this. Keep on being. And so that's why he says continue in the word. Keep on being a doer of the word. It's not just enough to dabble here and there. And obeying God, it needs to be a lifestyle. And I know, I know there's some big victories in our lives when we finally obey God in some area. Like, I did it. I obeyed. Great. Amen. Let that give you strength to obey again. Right? Many times people say, I tried it. I did it. I did my best. It didn't work. Some people have even said, I tried Jesus. I went to church. I prayed, I read my Bible, but it didn't work. It didn't work. <laughs> like it was a toy that someone bought at, at a store. You know, problem didn't go away. I'm still struggling in the same area. I'm still going through this. <sighs> Sometimes what we go through, God allows us to continue to go through because we there's something he's working and building within us. We don't like that. We don't like to have to go through the same problems. Everyone's like, why do I keep going through the same problem? Different people, same problem. Different workplaces, same problem. Different churches, same problem. Well, it's not the church, it's not the people, it's not your workplace. It's probably you. 
And so we can't blame God when, he, when he's allowing us to go through certain things to, for you to finally get it and be like, you know what? Wow. Wow, God. He doesn't want us to obey every once in a while. He's looking for commitment. We talked about it. He's looking for He's looking for some real deal people, real Christ followers, right? It's, not, it, it, it's easy to obey, and we all know it's easy to obey when it's, when it's convenient to us, when it's convenient to us, when it's, when it's something we want, when it's something comfortable, you know? Uh, you know what, God? I feel that you're telling me, I feel that you're telling me that uh, this is the job that you want for me. I'm going to obey you. Well, it was easy to obey God because they paid $15,000 more a year than the one that you currently have, so it's easy to obey, right? How about the opposite? How about taking a $20,000 pay cut because God is telling you that that's where he wants you? How easy is it to obey now? It doesn't convenience you. It doesn't help you. It's a lot harder. Obeying is hard when it's something you don't want to do. Wait, his word tells me to love my enemies? But God, they're enemies. How can I love them? His word says to. In closing, in closing, in closing, if we are faithful, and consistent in obeying his word. The verse says that there's something special in store for us. His blessing. Verse 25 says, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of work, this one will be blessed in what he does. To whom does blessing come to? To the one who continues in the word of God. There's no one here that will reject a blessing. Well, I don't know. Sometimes we do without realizing it. So I can't even say that, right? If you really know it's a blessing, right, no one's going to reject it. No one's going to, you know, pass off on something that's good for them or that's exciting or that they look forward to. We all want to experience the blessings of God, you know? But understand that blessings are not given out like gifts at an Oprah show. You get a blessing, and you get a blessing, and you get a blessing, and you get a blessing. It doesn't necessarily work that way. Well, what does this mean? Does it mean that we have to earn God's blessings? through our obedience or does blessings come by grace obedience or do blessings come by grace well let's read the word Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 it says blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ well, well, this verse is pretty much saying that the blessing is already ours. The blessing is already ours through grace. 
But there's something we need to understand, and I want you to understand this, and so we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. And it says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few who find it the verse tells us there's two there's two roads one leads to destruction and one leads to life the one that leads to life is a road of blessing you can't earn God's blessing but you do have to make sure that you're on the right road. Does that make sense to you guys? We can't earn his blessing. His blessing is given to us by grace. But, but we have to make the decision to be on the right road of blessing. How do you know when you are on the right path? How do you know you're on the right road? Here's a cheat code. Obey his word. Obey his word. Can you guys stand up with me this, after, this morning? I want you to imagine this. You're walking this now road. You're on this road. You're walking. And the road is difficult. It's hard. Right? It's stressful. It can be frustrating. You know, it's tough. And you're walking. You're like, man, this is, this is not as easy as I thought. This is not as easy as I thought. We're walking, and all of a sudden we look over, and over there, there's like a seven-lane highway. And uh, people are dancing as they're walking. They got a lot of room. Seems like they're having a lot of fun. Seems like uh, life is being easy for them. Like, oh, that, life is easy. Life is fun. It seems as they're blessed. Can I talk to you about what, what some blessings might seem we know in a world that we live in today that a lot of emphasis is put on wealth, right, materialism. And sometimes we look over to the other side and look over to the other road when we see people and we call them blessed because they have the latest car, they have an amazing, you know, bank account, you know, and we call them blessed. But if you, if, if you put yourself in this position and you're over here with the cars, with the money, with the status, with all this. And you keep on walking in this road. Where does this road end? Destruction. It seems as a blessing. But it's not. Why do sometimes some, of the, some people of God struggle in some areas? And, and, and let's use finances. We're talking about this already. Why does it seem like some 
people of God struggle in finances? Well, there's, there's, there could be two explanations. One, one, you're not being faithful with your finances to the Lord because all the finances that we have, he's given to us. And if we're not faithful with our finances, if we're not tithing and offering, then that can affect. But also, you know what? Sometimes it took financial struggle for you to go to Jesus. You see, these people on the wide highway, they have it all. They have it all in this example. So they have no reason. They have no reason to go to the feet of Jesus. Because everything they want, they just buy it. And so was their money really a blessing? Or was it, and it, was, was it helping and, and, and expediting their destruction. We have to be careful that we don't look over to the other side where the road is wide and say, oh, they're blessed. They're blessed. They're blessed. Because in this analogy, what happens here is this person is struggling and he looks over and he sees all them having fun. He sees them seemingly blessed. He sees them seemingly enjoying life. He sees all this and he says, why am I here struggling? Why am I here being faithful? Why am I here just like enduring the hardships that come with our Christian walk when I could just be doing it up? So you cross the road divider, right? And you start, ooh, this is not bad. Without realizing that little by little, the roads go like this. They were side by side at one point. And then the roads go like this because they have two different destinations. And before you know it, you find yourself either eternally blessed or eternally cursed. You don't realize that you just changed direction. That you're no longer on the road of life where the true blessing is. We're not talking about a person that's going down the road, trips, falls, has a hard time, gets back up, and keeps going. No, that's exactly, that's exactly what we should be doing. Because in this small, narrow road, there will be times that you trip. There will be times that you fall short. But you get back up. I'm talking about the times that people have made uh, intentional decisions to completely go on the other side. Church, God is looking for an obedient people. He's looking for an obedient people. When times are hard, we still obey. A people that still obeys through, time, through hard times. When, when, when society looks down at you because of your faith, when they look down at you like, oh, we still obey. When we go through the trials and we go through the suffering and we go through all the hardships of life, we still obey. Even when we don't see the results in the time that we want to see them, we still obey. God is looking for a people that have true faith. Faith that brings forth obedience. 
this morning, I want to ask you guys a question. A question that only you can answer. What type of person are you? Are you an obedient person? And not to me. Are you an obedient doer of the Word of God? Are you an obedient, obedient doer of the Word of God? And church, I can stand here today and tell you that it is hard and that many of us are falling short. And I say are falling short because today there are many of us falling short from His Word. I want to I wanna let you guys know this. There's no shame in, in acknowledging that there are areas in your life that need to be handed over to God. There's no shame in saying, you know what, I need to be more obedient to the Word. There's no shame in acknowledging that, you know what, we slip up every once in a while and we need, we need Him to give us more, more strength. And so today, this morning, I want to I open the altar. And as we're praying, I invite you to join us because we want to pray with you. We want to pray with you because some of us are struggling with, this, with obedience. We're struggling with consistency. We're struggling with these things. And today, you can make a choice. If, you, if your answer was, I'm not an obedient doer of the word. If that was your answer, then today you can be. That choice can be done today. If you're saying, I struggle, man, I'm struggling, and, and sometimes I listen, and sometimes I don't, then you know what? Amen. But today, we can, we can pray with you and encourage you and motivate you to keep on trying. And so as I'm praying, the altar is open, and I pray that you take a step of faith. Many times, just making a decision to come forward that step of faith that you take, it begins to work in you. It begins to work in you. Father God, right now we come before you. Lord, we, we need you, Lord. We thank you for your word, Lord God, that, that teaches us, Lord, that you desire obedience. You desire obedience, and some of us here today are struggling with it. Some of us today are struggling because we want what we want or, or, or we think we know what's best or, 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 the, 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 or the, the thing that you're asking of us is just too hard and we're asking, how can we obey? How can we, how can we just surrender this to you? And Lord, we need you. We need the power of your Holy Spirit. We need the guidance of your Spirit. Lord, we ask right now that you come, that you, that you just continue to stir the hearts of those that are sitting here today. That you give them the strength to take a step of faith. That today can be a day that they decide, I'm going to be a doer of the word. I'm going to be an obedient doer of the word of God. In Jesus' name. Amen.